presents 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast. Brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to the Dark Ages. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. My name is Nathan. And I'm Bob. And today we are going to jump right into part two of our deep dive and review of Dark Ages Vampire, the core book for the, uh, we'll call it revised edition of Dark Ages Vampire. You know, different naming convention. If you haven't listened to our first one, you can head back over to our website or whatever and listen to part one of that. Uh, this is part two. We're basically just going to take it off, uh, just pick it up where we left off and uh, get into talking about some of the Ashen Priests and what those are, right, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a, a massive distinction uh, that you have to understand is that the Ashen Priesthood, as they point out here, is more than just the guys you go to to talk about a road, right? Sure, they serve that function, but ultimately we're talking about temporal power versus actual power, right? It, they're mimicking the rule of kings versus the power of church is actually going on uh, during the 13th century. And they almost have equivalent power, right? Everybody wants to have their soul saved. So God's the rage. So the church is there. But then the king's like, I'm a king. So like, you need to do what I say. And it's, and it's understanding how those two debate. Well, vampire society, we're talking about the canine feudalism. Basically what it is that a prince has to utterly deal with each Ashton priest who is in charge of the road they espouse. Now, how you deal with them uh, a wise prince lets as many of them that want to show up, i.e., um, only one Ashen priest is going to actually exist for that particular road and be recognized as a position holder for it. But at the same time, the prince has to listen to them and there's a problem or infraction with somebody on their road. Right? And, and, and how it has to, a bit of a misnomer. Like, if you choose to, thumbs up. The Ashen priesthood can't give you reprisal because you actually consulted them. Right, so like you honor their their position for that accordingly. In other words, it's a counterbalance. That's the easiest way to put it. Right. the The conflict uh, between you know ashen priests and princes and and elders in the city, all of these things exist to kind of like equate power across the board to prevent anyone from raising to too high of a level. Um, and you know, like we had said earlier in the the previous podcast, um, at least I think I had mentioned it. You can definitely see where um, this this line sort of um, extends out to the future to where the Sabbat priest comes from, where the concept of this religious, this individual designed to keep spirituality in check sort of originated from. It is. You can see the seed. The difference of power, though, is amazing, right? So the the point I want to miss out is that the actual reasoning behind it, because a lot of people like the, the crunch behind it, too, it's easily explained as the prince's controlled domain, physical domain, the blood in it, all that stuff. And that's where their power comes from and their right to rule. However, the praxis that an ashen priest uh, declares over is the actual people. It's the spirituality of their road adherence. And that's where it gets dicey, right? A lot of that's like, well, shit, you know, because what happens if the prince is of an ashen priest's particular uh, road? Well, then it's thumbs up, right? Right. But who's in charge then? Is it that prince or the priest he he gets advice from and listens to? And a lot of this in history, too, is the question that many a king has asked. And you can see how that plays out. But vampires are no different in that. And uh, that's that's essentially them. 
like Nate said, later on, do they become the Sabbat directly? Well, we see where the idea is. Yeah, it's kind of an evolutionary adjustment. You know, it's uh, it, it originates here and grows out of that. And it's as simple as that. And from and from there, we talk about, well, if this is all going on, that's great. But what's the name of the sect? Well, they don't have one particular right. sect that is uh, right now dominating and walking around doing anything. Um, they do have what they define as sects that do have uh, purposes they're, they're manipulating it. And I would argue that the most important one that I think was finally found its voice, meaning that I could see it existing and it's not silly, uh, the Inkanu, right? Right. Simply put, the Inkanu now are the survivors of Rome. They're the actual ones who lived during Rome, saw the fall of Rome, and then stepped back in the shadows to watch because Rome, well, much like Rome, the barbarians proved to be the downfall. That's who takes them out, sweeps them off their feet, and ends them. So too happened to the Inkanu, Right. They kind of go that way when they watch their Rome fall and collapse. They were with the mortals. And it must have been a shock. And then it goes, well, we need to gauge the power and strength of what's going on. And I think they realize that the youth, the people of the time, kind of have, they're riding the lightning. Like, history's eyes on them. And if you're not in a, if you're in a way of it, you're going to get ran over. Right. And, and you know, they mentioned the Encanto in here much in the same fashion that they mentioned them in the, the previous uh, Dark Ages book. Um, but they have... Since the, you know, they, they make it clear here that since the dawn of the 13th century, they've basically ta- uh, maintained a non-interference clause. And they're still quite mysterious. They remain, you know, just sort of a footnote here um, without any real development. But that's for obvious reasons. Um, a lot of these sects are important to remain mysterious. Um, that's part of their draw, part of their appeal. Um uh, the next one we've we've also talked about in previous incarnations is the Order of the Bitter Ashes, um, and that one that one's a little bit less mysterious because that one pretty much ends up finding its uh, you know final gasping breaths in uh, this this era, right? Yeah, they uh, they dwindle because uh, they were active in the Crusades. They were escorting holy relics and in, in uh, what do they call that? Pilgrims. That's it. That's the word. Um, to and from places and kind of living that up. <laughs> They were also used as a by the Ventru, or th- let me let me restate that properly. They were considered to be a part of the Ventru war machine. Turns out they're not. Right? They literally only follow God. That's their big thing, and because of that, they have uh, allegedly like the Holy Grail and things of that nature that they're protecting from everybody else that they get and remove. And who knows? Is it true? We don't know, but we do know this. Um, they allegedly took words from Christ to heart that Christ had for them. And why is that awkward? Because it's like, sure, sounds good. Then what is your ultimate point? Well, you decide. We just know right. they're out here and that they have one castle in Scotland and that's it. They're they're essentially at their end at this point. Right, right. Uh, the next one up is the Fuhrers. Uh, we've talked about them at great length in previous podcasts. Um, in a lot of ways, they are the predecessors to the Anarchs, um, the Anarch Revolt. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of information about them in other books. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're another sect, uh, sort of growing and becoming something else. And here, the fear is almost the title that's thrown at you, right? Uh, what do they look mm-hmm. like? These are the people who get in with the middle class guilds and those who are trying to, you know, make a way that aren't lords or ladies or barons or none of that. And uh, they, those, those are their people. And they're trying to show that, well, we're the ones who run everything that you own. 
And so mm-hmm. we're the important ones, really. And they want someone, they want that disparity of power to be less and, you right. know, some more equality and all that stuff. And this is where you say, yeah, they're anarchs, but do remember. Right. The anarchs you understand today in the modern would be a mistake to assume the Fuhrers are the same way. Right. Because right. it's not. They, they are definitely not anarchs. They are very much in the style of what the anarchs become. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely different concepts of equality, of freedom, of of all of that, because it's just a different time and place. Yeah, and to hear you respect them, right? That's that's the one thing I got. I respect them um, saying that just because you're a lord doesn't mean I'm scum. Because if I don't right. produce this millet, no one's eaten. And, you know, maybe you realize that and we, you know, we get a little bit. I'm not saying I'll still call you sir. And you can call me by my last name if that helps you or whatever you want to say. But I want some pay and my family wants somewhere warm that they could eat a meal. That's that's it. You agree to that? We're good. And right. because it was a it was horrible conditions for some of them um, to slave where they were, according to the Fuhrers. Now, remember, we read an entire book. Um, well, yeah. you, and you and I read an entire book, but we reviewed a book that talked about the fact that a lord in his manner isn't what common Americans thought of, right? Mm-hmm. And I only say common Americans because when I went to Britain, I got that education where they didn't even understand why we thought that. But what I'm referring <laughs> to is this. Right. When I was walking through a castle in England and they were telling me about the castle, they weren't describing that this was Lord Humperdinck's room and then these are where these slaves labored underneath him and blah, blah, blah. That's Rome. Right. These were, these were good Christian folk. And so the people who often worked the land for them were extended family. Right. If they were good enough, they had like a blacksmith or maybe the black, maybe your uncle who's the blacksmith, um, who isn't obviously the Lord of the manor. So he blacksmiths, um, he married outside of the land here, which is wise. And you know, the wife he brought over the kids, they brought over, they're going to serve in some other capacity. Maybe one of them can bake and they're a baker, but you get the idea. It's like, it's like they had a giant Thanksgiving castle. That's what it reminded me of, you know, where that's Thanksgiving is usually where you meet this extended, extended family. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's that's what right. I'm saying, and so that's how it's kind of laid out to me. And naturally, you would have visiting people who were squaring under a king and all that. You remember all that. Keep that in mind, and that's and that's and that's why I honestly think when folks say, "Well, we're going to rebel and anarch and attack this castle," you wonder where they get the people to follow them from. Well, if I told you I'm waging war in your family, Nate, right, and I'm bringing all these guys, <laughs> right, <you're, laughs> that might spur me to action. <laughs> you know, pull in the borders and bring it. Oh, let's see. I brought my whole family. Who'd you bring? It was me and five guys. We thought you didn't have as much. <laughs> you know, and it's done. Well, what the Fuhrers do is they come in and they're like, they're talking to your uncle, the blacksmith, and going, "Hey, it's right. cool. I mean, you're being treated fair, but did you know your niece over here? You know, she's serving as a baker. Where, where, where's she ever going to get a leg up?" I mean, for the rest of she's got to hope that she gets catches the eye of whoever this third-eyed kid who's squaring over here. You know what I mean? That's sort of right. like a hodgepodge slice of example of what they're complaining about. That we have to make a change, and change is good. And then you have those above them saying, leave it alone because we're in charge. Right. Then you have the Prometheans, and I appropriately title the Prometheans, Wah Wah Carthage Wah Wah. <laughs> right <laughs> and i totally uh, don't disagree with you <laughs> yeah whole sect of them and that's yep. a oh open and shut and <laughs> and finally there's the canine heresy right right and the canine heresy are um you know those uh religious types that may uh you know they, they have a subverted version of christianity wherein cain resides at the pinnacle of each of the the three the the father the son and the holy spirit um 
we have gone on at great length about the canine heresy and uh, their oddities and and uh, and whatnot. And uh, they're another one where, um, well, now in the modern time, they're starting to make a comeback. It seems, um, but uh, yeah, in the dark ages, they they uh, they are a force that um, is living or or existing, I guess you could say, um, outside of the pale of traditional Christian beliefs, traditional. Muslim beliefs. When you think Sedite, you're thinking Canaan heresy and how they operate. Everyone believes these Sedites are great corruptors, right? But not in that fashion. They're not selling drugs was the common trope for Sedites, but well, I'm wrong. In a way, they are selling drugs. They're selling faith. Right. But what they're doing is they're embedded in the church. And because they're embedded in the church, that's what makes them so hard to catch and to figure it out because they do believe in God. Absolutely. They just don't believe that Cain was cursed. They believe Cain right. was given a blessing and was the favorite of God. Because of that, you could see where it all gets out of control. That would mean that every Cainite's cool. Right. That we're good. And, and almost angelic in fashion. And like Nate said, we went in depth with that. But that's just, I want to give a little taste again, a reminder. Because that's the whole problem with these guys. Is that they're, they, they're able to pour honey into the ears of certain people to make them fanatics of what's going on. Because who wants to truly be spiritually and actually damned? Right. And, and they're selling right. bill of goods. Yeah, the Canaanite heresy is one of, uh, I think, the more interesting um, sects of Canaanites in the Dark Ages. Um, I think that they uh, could be a lot of fun to run, a lot of fun to play. So um, so moving along, we kind of get this letter called the Hist- a History of Blood. Um, it's fiction. I mean, it's, you know, it's in-world continuity fiction. So we, we don't have to go into that too long. Read it for yourself. Um, that's all a matter of opinion anyways. I, I, I did mark out here something of the, the War of Princes itself. I know you and I caught heat, so like, the War of Princes is just a bunch of princes that get no war and it sucks. And we did it a long time ago because we knew we'd get here. Right. And so we didn't want to go deep, but it's actually very, very complex. I did give some hot points, though, uh, yeah. to point out some things if I could touch on them. I would just, yeah, absolutely. I'll be quick. So Nate explained already what a monarch is. And uh, just a quick monitoring of it here real fast. A monarch rules over a bunch of lords. Those lords rule over a bunch of princes. You know what a prince is, et cetera, et cetera, right? On down. So when you look at the War of Princes, what a monarch would be is like Nate pointed out again, he used Lord Mithras as an example. And we went into this a bit. But remember here in this book, they actually outlined very fast what kind of happens, right? French Torta removes support from one guy. That's Prince Alexander, which forces... Another dude to do do something, and now as I talk it, we did talk about this. Did we? We did talk about this. Not, and actually, we did it in a way that actually moved into it. Actually, I didn't draw a point to it, so my bad. Um, yeah. The one big but, thing. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but the the one thing that they do go into here is great detail of uh, what the War of Princes is, and sort of the prominent courts, the fiefdoms. This is something for me, having never read this book before, I found incredibly informative. And it really was quite a, uh, a revelation to me um, just to kind of put things to paper, stuff that I kind of already knew but didn't know where to look for. Um, you know, so like I had a vague understanding of, of, of what this all was, where, where it took place. But here in this book, um, I think it does a great job of, of putting all that all those pieces together. It does. And when you're looking at those pieces, the point that is not directly said, you have to kind of you know work at it a little bit, is to understand the point of the war. 
the Fourth Crusade sects Constantinople. That is the point of the war. You may be thinking, well, how can that be? Because all the vampires sat back and said they could control the Crusaders. They could control where the Crusades go. And because of that, it was strengthening whatever monarch fueled that war. Which we know, the person who fueled that war was hardest at. Right. He wanted it done, right? Um, the Isles were worried about by Mithras, but Hardestat wanted this war to get his piece of the pie, increase his strength. However, when it was proven that no clan, no monarch could control the Crusades, and that they devour Constantinople, it leads to the death of a monarch, which is Michael. When Michael dies, his empire shatters. This spreads fear amongst all the other monarchs, that if he was vulnerable, and he was considered one of the most powerful, then anybody is vulnerable. And accordingly... Mm-hmm. This, this vacuum is created where they're scrambling to more than uh, verify their power. They're trying to gain as much as they can very, very fast. And to do that, um, it's, just, it's just simply a scramble for power. And all these events happen. The Omen War, uh, the... Well, the rest of the nonsense we've already talked about. I'm trying not to be repetitive. But you have to think of that because this book determines the fate of a lot of that. To see this getting set up. And that's why you have Prince versus Prince for territory and land grabs. All right. Well, moving right along, we get into chapter two. And chapter two is very standard, very typical for uh, a Vampire the Masquerade core book or Dark Ages core book, whatever. It goes into the clans. Um, The one thing that's different about this that um, folks may notice right away is the division of those clans. Um, We have, you know, as we had said earlier, the division between high clan and low clan. And... um, so one thing I want to ask you, because, I mean, the clans are what they are. There's not a big dramatic difference in this version from any other. Um, one thing that I've heard people complain about, and I want to get it from your perspective, is the the sort of the art direction of this book. Um, as far as these characterizations are concerned, do you like them, Bob? Do you dislike them? And if you dislike them, why? Hmm. Tough call. I will say because... A lot of it's artwork, right? Like I could have an opinion, but that's just mine. It's not speaking for everyone else. But right. when they made this book, does it fit the theme? Does it fit what they're talking about? Does it remind me of of certain clans, caricatures, and whatnot? And my answer is absolutely. Right. One of my favorite pictures in here is what they have for the Road of Sin. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a person is a female, maybe it's androgynous enough uh, to fit it, but it's done in a in a very obviously some sort of sexual seductions happening, but it's frightening. Yeah. Because it's ritualistic, and that means it's something darker, right? Yeah. We we don't know what that's about. That is, it's an awesome pick, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I've I've heard I've heard some folks complain that they think that uh, the imagery in this book is like too anime esque, and you know, like reminds them of you know, it's very cartoony. I got to be totally frank; I don't really notice much difference in the art from this to any of the previous Dark Ages books. I don't think that they did anything dramatically different with Dark Ages Vampire from Vampire the Dark Ages. One of my uh, one of my other ones, just to go through, and I haven't mentioned the clan yet, look at Road of Kings. Right? When you look at, mm-hmm. uh, let me get the page for you. Uh, it's chapter 3, Grant, but it's page 107. The Road of Kings, that exact picture, the artist, I'd pay him triple. Captured exactly <laughs> what you think of when you think of Road of Kings. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and, that, and I'm seeing the, the road of sin on the next page. I completely agree with you. Right. This son of a bitch is judging you. Right. But mm-hmm. he's not ju- it, like if you look at the face, the way it's drawn, he's more assessing you. Right? right. It's like, are you of worth or not? 
I'm seeing you, maybe, perhaps, but doesn't no. make a decision. Is he arrogant? Of course, but he's in charge. Everything about him says he's in charge. And that's that, that's very much the mentality of Road of Kings and how they're under. And and I could get where people like might want to say it's anime, but you mm-hmm. didn't look at the Road of Humanity picture, right? Where that's definitely right. a human, and it's it's nothing that I would see a slapstick. They don't have huge eyes, and there's no one that looks like they're nine years old running around with panties showing, okay? Um, so <laughs> I, I really don't get the anime comment. Uh, I do get that the uh, with Road of Beast, um, it fit like literally. I'm trying to, th- I'm, I'm, I'm trying, folks. I'm trying to go through here and go. There's got to be a photo that fundamentally sticks out that I'm going to go. Nah, and it doesn't do what it's supposed yeah. to do. Uh, uh, it's, it's a lot of people had mentioned too that I like just stuff I'd read and overheard. You know, I won't name any names. That you know, there were all kinds of characters in here with pointy ears, and I'm like, not seeing that. So, um, do I love all of the artwork for all the different clans? No. But I don't love all the artwork in any book that White Wolf ever put out. There's always one or two artists in those books where I'm like, don't really care for that work. But it's not necessarily all about me. But I think that some people maybe misremember. They they think it's one thing. They paint a picture in their head. And that's not really what that picture is. But, uh, you know, hey, also, some people are entitled just to not like a thing. And that's fine, too. But I don't I don't really have a problem with it. I, I see it. It all kind of, uh, you know, it all kind of looks and works for me. I think the Asimites' thighs are a little too milky white and smooth. <laughs> you know, I think we could get into that maybe, but, I, you know. I think the I think the follower of Set uh, is maybe a little too, um, a little too comic booky. Like, kind of looks like a not properly drawn The Rock. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, some of them some of them are a little bit exaggerated, but like that Malkavian character, I Perfect. think that looks cool. Yeah. Um is the sword too big? Yeah, but go look at all the other Dark Ages books. They do that shit in every one of them. First off, um, is the sword too big? I I asked this. How many of you have held a sword? I rest my case. We're moving on. And uh that's just <laughs> I literally am doing that. I've been to the museum and looked at like a Zweihander or some other nonsense that they have. We don't know what the artist intended when they had that in here, but we do know when the blade looks like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII we might have done something wrong, right? <laughs> and, and is it wrong? Maybe the artist felt like this is where Inspirato went. And as Tenacious right. D told you, when Inspirato strikes, you must answer. That's it. And, you know, you leave right. it alone. The Tremere has a familiar that's a dragon on his back, and he looks badass. Nobody nobody can question it. You wouldn't walk up to that guy and go, excuse me, sir, by chance are you the apothecary that puts leeches on me and heals me? No, this is the one that just got done talking to a demon, sacrificed babies in the corner because he has blood sorcery to figure out. He ain't got time for you. He's moving on. You know, He's doing stuff. <laughs> but uh, uh, we definitely, we continue to see that division of high versus low. Here it's made very specific, and you'll see you know, that will carry on throughout the remainder of, of this line. Um, so moving on to the roads. And, uh, I think that this book gives a very good, very focused version of the roads. Uh, and you know, it doesn't go into hyper detail because spoiler alert, there's going to be books for that later. It goes into detail. It doesn't go into the tale. Well, here's here's the they learned, right? Um, and here's the one thing I felt that they understood. There had to have been a ton of people to go, well, we hear the Sabadron pass. What the hell does that mean? Well, like they're mm-hmm. Like there's like, you know, the beasts and stuff, and there's things and you know, right. Asamites got a got a path. Yeah, but what does that mean? Like, you know, I'm on I'm on the path, like what do I do? Well, there's hierarchy since. 
You understand humanity. We wrote it vague on purpose so the storyteller can work with it. But if I'm the storyteller, what the hell does that mean? A lot, I, heard yeah. that, I heard that a lot. Now, I understood it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we used it, worked it, we got it. But a lot of people didn't know how to see it and work it out. I was, it was refreshing to watch them go, here's how it is. Right. You were looking for this, here are the instructions. How to walk well, the road, that, order of yeah. it. I, I, think, I think if you if you are a big fan of the Sabbat and you're kind of curious about how roads work and like, you know, looking for um, little tips and tricks on how to use them better, this is definitely a great section to read because it does get into detail about how you get on the road, how you switch a road, how you, uh, you know, w- what level you're on, where, how, how you're considered within the hierarchy of that path. Because uh, it's more than just a path of enlightenment. It's more than just a road to mastering the beast. It's a social club. Right. You know, it's, it's more than just a band. It's a social club. It just was going there. You must psychic right there. That's what happened. Uh, so, <laughs> street sweets are social club. I can't stop laughing. All right. Um, this book does answer an argument I had, though. And I'm going to say it's a decades old argument. And what I'm going to say is, ha ha, you were wrong. I can't mention your name, but God, you're wrong. And I hope you listen to this diligently and we get to this part. I had argued for a long time. And I said, hey, listen here. The first roads would not have been the path of blood. Mm-hmm. No, it would not have been. And it was like, oh, it's, yeah, it's my it's path of blood, it's path of blood, Hakeem said blood. Yeah, yeah, they were on humanity first, Jack. They were humans first. So they had to <laughs> figure that out, right? That's the first step. And they had to figure out what they would become being what they are. And so this has here flat out that the oldest roads would have been a defined road hum- of humanity because you were exploring how humanity changes. And, right. and is there a way to survive that? And men with the beast. There is. It's like every major road has like three derivatives we'll get into later. And it kind of shows how they tried this, this, and that. And then it says also the road of the beast. And I was straight told to my face, no, you're trying not to be the beast. There's nobody crazy enough to try to be like that if they knew that was the end road. Yeah, they would. It's called instinct and impulse, right? <laughs> right. So if I'm sucking at this guilt thing, there's got to be someone that goes, you know what? I wake up, I get hungry, I kill a neighbor. I change the sign, I put a new carpeting, and I put now accepting new neighbors. <laughs> right? I'm making peace with what I got to do. Is that really Road of the Beast? No, it's Bob making fun of the fact that, you know, I don't know what they would have thought when they first did it. I'm not role-playing or running the game right now to put that much depth. But I'm trying to hammer home. When you think of First Roads, just understand that it's literally the dichotomy of humanity versus the beast. Right? We're finding a morality to cling to. Now when you look at the other roads and what other philosophies came from this, it's like a big philosophical debate that happened over the centuries. And, and this is what the scholars of Vampir, of, of Cain, if you will, have come up with so far. And when you look at it that way, and you start looking at how it's uh, hammered home that the sire teaches the children and immediately starts teaching them how to be like an initiate to a road. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. Because they know. They, they know right. one day they're, they're not going to be thinking, you know, applesauce and rainbows. Right. Now, what you're going to find in here, um, I guess I guess we could start with saying what you're not going to find in here. They do mention some of the other roads, and we're talking what Bob mentioned earlier, the road of blood, um, the road of bones, the road of metamorphosis, the road of night, the road of paradox, and the road of the serpent. Those are not going to be in this book um, because there's just not enough space, and also they're a bit more specialized. And, and that's not abnormal for one of these books. They're going to give you the pretty standard, uh, you know, the road of the beast and, um, road to heaven, road to humanity, road to Kings, uh, road of sin, stuff like that. The, the, the standard roads. 
And the purpose of this all, and, and why I even mention is because what you will find, as you're saying what's not here, um, it mentions rights of the roads, right? That these roads do have rights. And immediately, yes, this seems to be where the Sabak got their shtick for having all the rights they had in their sect, right? right. Uh, because it's embracing of paths and sharing of ideals, and these are the roads, that, or these are the rituals that probably are remembered from long ago and adapted for their needs. What's cool about that is, is that you won't find a lot of this in the book, right? right. It says rights of the roads and it's here, but you're going to have to get their super special road book <laughs> itself to start seeing what that might look like when you better understand the detail they go into. Right, right. I, I've always looked at those books as, okay, I've been playing this character for, you know, however long, couple months or whatever. And now, like, I want to get into more detail about my character. I want to get deeper into the specifics of my road. I want to get more deep into um, the role play with other adherents of my road. Um, and, you know, do I think that you as a player need to run out and buy every road book? No, don't, don't be Bob and I Yeah, buy the ones that interest you. Um, but I think that there's plenty of information here to start playing and playing for quite a while. A ton of it. And uh, here's this book. In other words, where we're telling you probably the reason why we like it is because it feels Sabbat as well. It feels yeah. like the budding emergence of the Sabbat is here as well. We're talking rights of the roads are here, prayers, just to go through this. The fact they even mentioned how the study works, how to be a scholar when people say, I want to be a scholar of Cain, a nodist, if you will. Um, the rituals that you're going to find and discover for this stuff, the celebration dates and why those are special, um, the ministry, what they do, um, the penance of it. And they're not giving you big, huge dissertations. They're just giving you a paragraph to let you know this is how it's done. Right. Right. This is what they would do. And you need to you need to open your mind and broaden your thoughts. So you will have to put in work. But why it's generalized is because they give you focus. They give you a format to work from. And if they tell if you look at this like this. Okay. This says that there is a ministry that you have to pay attention to for the road. What does that right. mean in my game? Well, what road is it? And then it says, well, let's look to see what it means. And they mean by a ministry. And then you read what they say and you formulate it from there. Right. right. It's a lot easier than trying to go, oh, man, I know there's somebody that runs this stuff. What would it be? Like a series of monks? <laughs> right, right, is right. it, I don't know. You know, and they, they, right. they define it a little bit to help you out. Right. Absolutely. Um, so the next, the next couple of chapters, well, the next chapter after this one is rules. So I don't know, like, if you had any notes for that, but I don't really like to focus so much on rules because they're the rules of the game. We've all agreed that that's what we're playing. There are going to be some differences from the first edition, um, but there's nothing really that stands out to me that's worth talking to other than it seems well organized. And I feel like they're at the point in development of these core books where they pretty much have a formula down. It's pretty well organized. It's pretty easy to read and pretty simplified for it being in a book. What they, the one thing they do here that I like is that they talk about maturation points, downtime maturation points. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. And it's one they throw in that I just don't think caught on. Right. Because when you hear an idea of experience, experience boosts your character. What are maturation points? Well, it's supposed to be that in this era, you're going to have time jumps. Right. Absolutely. Right. If you're going to be paying the 13th century and you want to get to a modern chronicle, you're not going to go night to night. Right. Unless you're immortal. And if you are, hey, I'll send you my address. It'd be really cool to talk to you. <laughs> and I want you and to run a game. You know, and also, I think it's just uh, what I've found. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people that disagree with this statement. But what I've found is there's just not as much happening night to night in a Dark Ages setting as there is in a modern day setting. <laughs> It's what? 
<laughs> what? Look, look, Jack, you think me, Bob the Gravedigger, I don't have shit going on night to night? Look, I gotta I gotta wake up and I gotta ride the cart that we'll actually pull the cart around, assuming I get a good donkey and it's not half dead. And I gotta I gotta go around and you're gonna leave they're gonna leave out dead things. Right? Right. Grandma right. passed away, she's wrapped in a shroud, she's out there, they're gonna leave some pence on there for me, maybe, depending if they can. It just depends on the flow of the town and how poorly I'm treated. But I'm going to pick her up, throw her on there, check her teeth to see if she has any wealth sitting in there. Some people use some weird metal stuff to kind of help out the old tooth thing back in the day. And if she's got the good ones, well, she doesn't need them anymore. Am I right? And, you know, we're just going to see through here. And after I'm collecting my cart of dead people, then I have a happening party-filled night of digging a hole in some unyielding ground. And let's hope it rained a little bit the night before that week so it's not all just hard, back-breaking labor. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the luxury of digging a hole that was like three feet deep, you know, about, uh, about you six know, by three. I got to tell you, Bob's imagination, um, yes, I've dug a hole, but also I'm not interested in role-playing that every night. Listen, you know. listen, I, okay, <laughs> fine. You, you're not into it, but... Right, right, you know, right. Maybe perhaps you want to be uh, uh, um, Patrick, the uh, the urine collector. Um, he has an interesting role. He gets to see <laughs> the inside of the castle. I don't oh, even get to see that. Sweet, sweet. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, needless to say, you're going to be jumping in time. <laughs> and there needs to be a system in, in play for when you're not having those action-packed, active moments in your game. And that's what maturation points are for. Uh, there's a, there was something similar to that in the Elysium book from way back when. Um, wasn't for Dark Ages, but this is in a core book. This is part of the rules. This is meant to be something that isn't just a, an option. Of course, everything in the book is optional, but this is kind of like meant to be part of the process. I don't really have anything to, to, to count. That's <laughs> what it is. I mean, it is what it so, is, right? So the next, uh, yeah, it, absolutely. The next chapter is character creation, and it's pretty standard again for um, a, a White Wolf, a, a World of Darkness core book. There is one thing that I wanted to mention, though. Um, I'm sure you've got some things you might want to say, but I just I found this quote. I thought it was very interesting. The quote says, "White Wolf will not send anyone around to award prizes to those who memorize the whole book first nor dispatch the jackbooted game police to confiscate copies of Dark Ages Vampire from those who continue to rely on the index. Allow room for human fallibility. So, you know, for all those people out there who are like, I can't remember how to do... No, just read the book. It's cool. Just use the book. That's what the books are for. So don't feel like you have to memorize every detail. Here's what I like about this, right? Let's go to the backgrounds. It's my favorite part. And you look at allies and it's like, blah, 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 allies, blah, blah, blah. Then it goes, storyteller's option. With your storyteller's approval, your character's allies can be fellow vampires or other supernatural beings. We don't give a shit. <laughs> right? That's what it basically outlines, right? Because right? you wouldn't believe how many people have asked me, do I just have to have normal allies? Um, and I'm like, well, in your concept, do you not have normal allies? Right. Well, don't I have to take supernatural friendship to have it? Did you find a merit for supernatural friendship in V20? Well, no. It's in the Elysium <laughs> book. Are we playing elders from the Elysium book? No. Okay. Well, uh, I, I haven't told you no. Right. So if you need, like, Count Dracula to be your ally, he's definitely a five-point ally. I mean, I can't argue that, but, like, he's, <laughs> right. he's just an ally. You don't control him. But understand, you got to go deal with Count Dracula when you're like, hey, I need an army of axe-wielding lunatics to come help win my fight. 
<laughs> what, so one of, one of the cool things, right? <laughs> one of the cool things that I liked about this chapter too, which I, I found was a little bit different than most, um, was that they kind of give you they give you these little examples of concepts and how they would make them. Like, uh, for instance, it's it's called Twilight Vistas. That's the that's the uh, little interlude in the chapter. And they have like Crusader and it gives you like a paragraph on like what the characters origins are and then gives you like recommended clans, roads, attributes and prioritizations. Um, And I I just thought that that was really cool, too, because for a lot of people, especially people like me who might sit down to play a Dark Ages game when I don't have like my imagination isn't really in the fantasy. It's, It's very much like in the modern. And so sometimes I'm like, I don't really know what the hell I want to play. This gives people like me or new players ideas on how to make a character, on on what a character would look like using their examples. My favorite one in here is Lady of the Night. Before you think anything else, just understand we're not in the modern. And what this means is you were raised to be a lady, and that means much more than being decorative. Step up, ladies. More than decorative, it says. You learned useful <laughs> arts and crafts, right? As well as the skills necessary to manage holdings when your husband and lord might be off on war or crusade. Being a pretty but useless frail thing was not an option. That's the modern. And any more than, than it is for the vast majority of the nobility. That's the prerogative only if the very wealthiest, and while your family's holdings might generate wealth, they also cost wealth to operate. And then it goes into in-depth about the fact that and I like it because it draws you in to read it. And then it's like, listen, what we're saying is you probably don't have a husband. You're immortal. Right. You, you could be a woman and powerful. Here's how you do it. But you have a face to represent to the morons, right? It's the simplest way to do it. But they do it tastefully. They don't do it in Bob language. They do it in a way that lets you know <laughs> that, yeah, you, you can you can get this done. They and do it. They do it like poetic writers. Right, like it's like they were paid to do it. That's how they do right, it. Right, and uh, who, that's uh, who does that? You know, they want to sell it. They want to put down, hey, sack it up. You know, figure <laughs> it out. You know, whatever you want to call it that you might think's funny. I've ran out, but the like you said, the ability prioritization I think is critical, and so is the the attribute prioritization. I think those two things confuse a lot of players and they make stuff uh, because they do this. I need to make sure I'm powerful. I don't want to get rolled by by Nate at the table. He tends to like physical things. Bob's a big talker. And I don't want to get out talk, so I better prioritize that. And but you mm-hmm. know, I'm playing a Tremere. No, if I'm this lady in the night, I better make her a gangrel. And I'll just take etiquette to justify my protean. And you know, they get you get trapped in your head. And this is like, look, stupid. Look at this. Recommended clans. If if it's not in, if it's not in what we recommend, it doesn't mean you can't do it. What it says right. is if you truly want to play this type of character, make of it what you will. And here's a guideline to help you. All right. It's it's literally designed to help you to make sense of everything you've read up to this point. Like what makes sense with what? Um, another thing that I've kind of noticed about this book, and um, it's something I wanted to touch on. Part of the reason why I I I feel like I like it better than the first Dark Ages book is because it's it's definitely taking place in a historical time, but they make it a point to say we're not super concerned about historical accuracy. We're not really trying to make you go out and read, uh, you know, a line of the sources about what happened in the 13th century. We just want you to play and have fun because let's not forget you're playing vampires. 
And that's something that I really appreciate about this. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else really to get into in the character creation section? There's some cheeky things in the attribute descriptions. I love this in all the mm-hmm. books. It's my secret nerdy love. Strength mm-hmm. at level five. Outstanding. Well, thank you. I try. Right? <laughs> so it says, and it says, you lift 650 pounds. You routinely break the bones of and otherwise intimidate anyone who gets in your way. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, maybe maybe five's pretty cool. But then it flips right. around and says for charisma, right? Or not even charisma, it's the Adam and Eve comment. The stamina. It says, perhaps Adam and Eve were this vigorous before the fall. In what way did you mean? In what way did you mean? What were they doing? Were they, were they just running all day? They never sleep? What are you referring yeah. to? <laughs> mm, right? Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> your words move all who hear them to aid your cause, and you speak with a divine or demonic charm. It's like, all right. <laughs> Definitely we're in the feel here of what we're going for. I always find those right. Fun. Right. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, and uh, now I read them always every single time. Right. <laughs> They're funny. It's so good. Skip, skip them once. You know, shame on you. Skip them twice. You know. But uh, um, also, you know, the one thing that uh, they have that they repeat here that they do in every book now, that's right, it's in every book, is if you're if you don't have a talent, if there's a penalty, if you don't have a skill, if there's a penalty, if you don't have a knowledge, is there a penalty? Um, And here they they make it a big black box. So you can't do what I did, which is just never read that section and accidentally be like, what happens if you don't have a, a knowledge? Well, you can't roll. So, uh, yeah, like, like I said, that really hasn't changed at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, just uh, pretty standard, pretty straightforward character creation stuff um, I don't across think the, the board. I, I think this is the only book we've read so far that addresses the more than human uh, capacity uh-huh. of going beyond five. And it yeah. does it in a genius way. People often say, well, what is an appearance of six? Isn't that a little ridiculous? Well, yes, yes it is. <laughs> and what this says is, as mentioned previously, the scale of one to five dots measures the range of human potential. Of human potential. That means they're max. They can right. ever hope to be. No one in the species is as good as this. Characters who master abilities at the sixth dot or above produce the same sort of effect on others who see them demonstrating this mastery. But the all that accompanies the fifth dot is only magnified right. by what you do. It is not necessarily... I have a six appearance in a break of the masquerade or breach of the masquerade, whatever nonsense you want to get into. It's literally like there's no one in existence who can ever compare with the appearance you have to the person who sees you. Right. It just can't unless you're Helen of Troy. Or you're in V5. <clears throat> right. Um, I, don't, I don't know why you did that. I don't know why you did that. Why do you have to bring up that shit, right? Like, this goes on. Like, it's in V5. Right, is this right, what it is? Right, right. Look. What are you doing? What are you doing? Look, in V5, she gets beat by a mule. It's not her fault. She got kicked once in the head. I hope you could look so good after you're kicked. That's from like you seven hey, to you a don't, five. You don't know that. You don't know that happened. Yeah, the no, mule was just... owned by Ma O'Leary's. That was her cow that actually kicked her. But when it hit Helena Turner in the face... She threw the lantern that started the Great Chicago Fire. It, it's all it's all in good fun. We we understand. It's you know, you know we're not we're not saying anything. We're not here to review V five. We're not here to talk bad about it. Shh, we're here. Shh, just, <laughs> let it, just let it go. Just let it go. Talk right, more about it. it never happened. randomly. Just get it going. Um. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> they have a. There's a lot of fun stuff in here. Hearth wisdom defined. I think they they defined it before, uh, but they give like some more. Uh, maybe a clearer description of it is cool. Um, and I enjoy the fact that, again, we're back to Bob's section. Uh, the domain 
is something that you could see is uh is is a little more designed for what it was intended. I feel that domain was one of those things that you're supposed to take to be able to defend and grow, but then it's okay to attack it and take away. Yeah. Like the way they stack it up, it's you're able to be more neutral and going, hmm, we're down because of the plague. Well, we're up because I convinced the, the Languadocs they could live here for cheaper, you know, or whatever. Right. And and right. back and forth. And, you know, it's it's a fun little mechanic for downtimes, you know, it's a good deal. Yeah. In a in a similar uh but unrelated scenario, um in the LARP that I play in, you know, for folks that have domain, our storytellers were like, Hey, um, just so you know. Uh, that's not a haven. That's like a whole area of the city that you have control of and you have to protect. And if you don't protect it, other and, and also they made everybody just like state, where is your haven or where is your domain rather? And we had to, you know, basically tell everybody like our domain is here um, because, yeah, people could attack it. You know, your domain is known. It's not a secret place. It's not a secret garden. I know where you live. That's or at it. least I know where you have to protect. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, they go on to explain ores too in a little more uh, crunchy, mm-hmm. uh, a little a little different way to look at it. Right, one through ten, the ratings and modifiers. That's there. That's I yeah. feel you can you can check that out. Um, one thing that I will point out as well: willpower. Um, for storytellers, I, I like the I like the willpower section. I like the mechanic in the game. Here's mm-hmm. what I don't like all it's used for: ensuring success. I'm going to state right. this. Any storyteller who goes, man, darn it, this player's going to blow a willpower to punch that guy in the face. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's Frank Mir. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, he, he doesn't have any brawl, but he's blowing a willpower, so i got to let him do it. You absolutely don't have to. And it rules back that up. Um, I have a hard rule, and it basically states that you can only blow a willpower when you're not, when you're not already focused on putting your all into it. I.e., what, what if you are Frank Mir, and you have to go box some unknown? Right. Right, uh, Frank right. Mir is not blowing a willpower for that fight. However, that other guy who's trying to survive like a being choked out in a moment, I might okay it for him because he's so outclassed by who he's who he's fighting, and he needs right. to dig deep, get that extra to get it done. I might. In other words, what I'm highlighting, it should be a case-by-case basis. I feel that they do say that, but they don't say that directly. Right? Right. And a lot of people feel that that's like, oh, it's a guarantee. It's not a given. You know, storytellers always caveat, even tells you, may also sometimes disallow willpower modification of particular right. roles. Like, that's the point. Um, and it prevents munchkin, right? When I, Whenever I see a player take five or more willpower, and they're not like a Tremere, or someone who actively needs that to, for the mechanic of what they do, I'm always like, what are you worried about? Like, if you read willpower, <laughs> like, let's look at five, right? A five is your certain, right? Right. That you're, you're, you walk around every day knowing exactly what you need to do, where you are, determined, driven individual, right? Type right. thing. And then it just goes up from there. But I've, I don't think I've ever met anybody who had an iron will, right? Just, no, n- not in my everyday life. But, you know, also, hey, look, we're not vampires, you know? <laughs> look, we're not, but we're normal people, and it's a gray area. I just no, use it true. to point it out because willpower itself can be used good and in a good way. But, you know, it's, as anything, when you're dealing with crunch... It's up to the storyteller to navigate those waters and, and with your troop to see. Don't take away the fun, but it, it but still keep it fun for you. You know, right? Do a little bit right. of both. Um, resisting, yeah, I agree with you. Resisting instinct. Um, that's another struggle point. Absolutely use it. I, th- I feel your will is designed to worry. Hey, I'm gonna use a willpower to stop me from eating his face, and I'm gonna run away. Yeah. You know, it's all right. People make the joke that vampires, you know, they go to meet up at a place, and someone says a snide comment, and then that vampire takes off because he's a baby. 
No. No. He took off so he doesn't eat your face. You understand how that goes? You insult right. me in front of everybody else. Hmm. I do believe I had to check my car, forgot the keys. You know? And I leave the room. Why? Because I'm out in that car. Ah, we hates him. We eats him. We kills him now. And, you know, and I got to let that out. And then I come back going, good comment, bro. Remember, before I left, you had that comment about my mom, pool with the plants. Good one. Right. Right. I see you. Good job. You know, however you want to do it. But, you know, comically, I state that because it's kind of how you got to get into it. That's how you avoid the situation where your hands are tied and you're like, I frenzied. My right. world's over. I could have stopped it. There's do? ways to do it. And I won't go through it. But I feel this book puts it in direct terms, easy to understand, that should encourage you. Definitely use it uh, to help you out. Yeah. So moving along, uh, from there, we go into the discipline section. Now, I had a question. Um, and, you know, forgive me because I've read, I don't know how many of these books. And sometimes I get the the rules confused. In other versions of this game, can you use stamina and fortitude to soak damage from some sunlight and fire? No. Because I was always under the impression it was just all ag is fortitude only. I was suspicious about that too. And I want to say it was the first book they put down where they didn't really define it. Right? Mm -hmm. It was like fortitude helped you soak damage. You know what? For fun, give me a second. I'll look up what that rule is. Let me not do that. We can just look at the book. I have it. You have it. But I will look it up. I do. I do. I just, uh, I was being ridiculous. You are being um, ridiculous, but I'm going to be actual because it's a good point. Well, then screw it. It is, it, the rule is what it is. I remember it was right. never defined and storytellers always allowed stamina and fortitude to reduce all ag. And then it was mm-hmm. ridiculous. And then when they updated it, they said just fortitude Yeah. for all ag. And then That's this, what I thought too. And then this one says stamina and fortitude for only fire and sunlight. Right. And then fortitude alone for other forms of aggravated damage. Which made no sense. <laughs> right. I didn't think so either. Right. If you're me, it's like, what? Uh, yeah. nah. Okay. That seems, that seems strange. Nah. Um, but okay. I mean, I guess, I guess I'll get behind it. Um, but, uh, more than that, more than that particular question, which I thought was a, a little strange was once I got to Mortis now, um, Mortis is Mortis is its own discipline in this. It's not necromancy. Like necromancy is what it becomes, but here it seems like they've, they've sort of, begun that halfway point because it's it does have paths so it's very similar to necromancy in that regard but one thing that i thought was strange was there's there's three paths of mortis and there's only four rituals for mortis in this book and i was a little like hmm that's strange that seems like a nitpick but i'm certain to expand it later like i'm almost positive in in the line there is more uh that is there the four was just what they fit in the book to kind of wet your whistle the other part yeah. is, is that I know that they, this is where they changed Mortis, and it was their greatest mistake, in my opinion. Um, I'm fine with that you broaden the powers of it a little bit, but when you made it like Necromancy, you made it like Thaumaturgy. Once you did that, eh. Yeah, I, I kind of would agree with you. I, I prefer Mortis as its own discipline and not Look, um, sort I like, of... Uh, I liked um, the Cappadocian ability to um, vomit forth power and put everybody in Torpor. <laughs> yeah i did too <laughs> i thought it was good it was a bunch of it made him creepy it was a bunch of how do you know that we understand death because we're melting what we screwed up but we absorbed death and this is the consequence all right cool actually now we've studied death and this is the paths we've developed huzzah right because <laughs> at this point i feel that there's in every chantry there's Shamir going no no don't study that shelf that's the putrid mortis ridiculous shelf we don't deal with that why you want to melt 
Because that's what happened to them. They melted. I mean, that's it's your call, buddy. But there's a reason there's like a big biohazard sign on that bookshelf. Caveat emptor, right? Just saying. Right. Uh, moving right. on to real sorcery. You know, it just, it, it just, eh, too uniform. Vampire sings when it's unique. When everybody can play that clan in a, in a version of it, they feel like they're a part of that clan. And then their challenge is to portray a character from it adds the culture of it, you know? And that's, and that's something that's cool. But when we're all just sitting around going, do you happen to have obtenebration? Nope. Go fish. I chose protean. <laughs> mm, okay. Understood. Understood. Gets a little like, eh. Yeah. No, I, I can, I can get behind you on that. Um, but what it was really odd to me was there's only four of those rituals for mortis and there's like 17 rituals for thaumaturgy. And I was just like, I mean, if you're going to do a full change like that and turn it into something that is a path based blood discipline, uh, you know, like necromancy, like go all the way in. I'm but, gonna, hey, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to read this for you. I'm doing this for you. I think you need to understand where obtenebration, the love of it. You know, I have it mm-hmm. immensely. None greater than this. I this paragraph alone, when I read it, my 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 little black heart was just a little shade darker. What it says about here in our obtenebration immediately breaks into a quote. It says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, says the book of Genesis. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God created the heavens and the earth before anything else. But before the accursed sun, before Eden, and well before Cain, there was darkness. It is this darkness that the eldest Lysambra revere, and this ancient, unknowable darkness whose depths they plumb with the discipline of obtenebration. And I literally sat there and said, F you, that this is just the wraith power. Just saying. <laughs> I just, I just want to throw that out there. Uh, I, thought that, we were, I thought we were not talking about that stuff. I didn't say anything. I just told you that, you know, someone yeah. told me that all obtenebration is is a link to, the, to oblivion. I was like, mm, you just neutered everything cool about it. Like when you make that statement, we're going to fundamentally disagree. You can't agree with everybody. And it's just where I'm at is very much right. the more passionate um, side of it, because I feel that to do that fundamental grasping of an unknown, terrifying thing, like since mm-hmm. since time immemorial, man has been terrified of darkness, but it wasn't of death. Death. There's two truths in life when you're born and when you die. And mm-hmm. I think, I think man is a well, good grasp of it. You know, it's coming. However, you tell them there's darkness, like go camping with a bunch right. of people and sit around that campfire and deliberately make the cooler 30 feet away in, right. a, in a clearing. And you could even have a string going out to it. Let's see how many people want to just suck them back. Right. How many, you know, alone. I guarantee you got partners going. I got to take a piss. I'm going to go get a beer to anybody. Want one? Yeah, me too. I'll go with you. There's almost a natural inclination to not anybody go off alone and in the dark, you know, bring something, stay close. And it's cool. And in that fundamental fear, there's it's like all horror horror films and books and genre all spring from this. And it's like obtenebration allows you to play with it and allows you to lord over it. And I think they'd write it well and they lead you into <clears throat> it here. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, uh, also, I think that um, the ability to manipulate and control spirits and corpses um, doesn't have anything to do with the abyss because the abyss destroys it's just yeah again just a just a nitpick um but uh, <laughs> it's just it's just like artwork right one person can look right, at it right. and go oh why does this shadow look like it's scared doesn't it have a mace for a hand is that a shadow oh that's kind of weird artwork choice except 
when you think about the fact that it literally has human eyes that are looking at you, and that's not a person. And if I right. saw that coming, if I brought my torch and it was like, Ugh, and I look, oh, that's not a dude. Um, who's really pooing themselves here? <laughs> right, that that would be me. And so, to me, it's good. Just saying. Uh, all right. Um, so disciplines are are, are a thing. Um, the body crafts, uh, medicine, ability dance for vicissitude is a thing. Um, we don't really need to get into that. Um, those are those little minute things that are different in each version. Potent, celerity, and fortitude fundamentally change almost each version. Yeah. They're, they're constantly trying to find a balance for it because they, people felt celerity was broken and they felt potence was unbalanced. And they felt that fortitude, if you had an excess of that too, was unbalanced. Nobody can be pleased on any side. And I really feel the writers, the creators of the game constantly were trying to find a happy spot. Here's what I've always felt. I'm just going to say it. Po- fortitude, supernatural soaking, supernatural toughness, right? When you have to narrate it, those with fortitude are most likely to survive easier and better than those who don't have it, who will probably be ashes in the wind way before that guy. Okay, cool. We got that. Celerity is supernatural speed. Don't need to say more. That's what it is. Whatever weird mechanic you groove to in your home game. <laughs> right, right. Knock yourself out as long as it's super speed. Um, yeah. And and potence, if we have to tell you what potence is, right? I relate this back to when I terrified you, Nate, in a game. And it was a little kid, and I'll never forget it. Your Nosferatu went to feed. And you saw that the kid was uh, sitting in the closet and was playing with a toy. And the little kid just watched you feed in his mom. And when you left, he waved at you and you noticed his palm was wet. Mm-hmm. And when he looked, it was he had to trace marks of blood on you. were wondering what was going on. And then you went to look back at the mom and you saw there were little tiny puncture marks right on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And you saw the kid and you're like, oh, it's interesting. And then you deliberately left and told the deputy and stayed out and watched. When the deputy came up there, pulled out a stake to stake the kid, um, the little guy picked him up and hurled him through the wall. <laughs> and that's when you were like i figured that was gonna happen right <laughs> you're like i was done <laughs> right. and i was like well well done and what i sat there and said was like someone points out well if i take the flawed child i can't have an attribute higher than two that's true but potence changes that doesn't it right right potence right? is the great equalizer <laughs> it's a done deal <clears throat> i don't know yeah i think uh every edition tries their best to make those disciplines make sense and uh like i think v20 Celerity is great in V20, but I think it's a little bit overpowered. Like, I have five celerity. I get five extra dice for every action. Like, every action involving my dexterity. Like, If you don't okay. use it. Nah, I mean, I'll take it. Sure. That's cool. Well, in V20, it's if you don't. Right. If you blow celerity, you get the right. extra actions. But if you don't, right. you get the celerity dots. Right. You know, it's, it's pick and know. choose. And yeah. that's why I think in V5, this one, like, just, you just get some weird abilities with it. That's it. Um, but ultimately, what's it all saying, folks? I am never a believer in anyone coming at me with the rule of state and my powers work according to this. But I deliberately go out of my way to make weird rule calls for commonly used disciplines to fuck with my players. I do it on purpose. <laughs> what, a, what a jerk. Because <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what you read in the book. The disciplines are an expression of the writer to convey the power of the vampire. The benefits right. of the beast. And as long as those deck connections there, nobody cares how many dice you pick up and drop. You do. Certainly you do, those who are listening. And that's great. And I as a storyteller can get why you would stack five dots here and five dots there. But that's ten less dots than you could put anywhere else to round out your character and back up and, ver- and verify your concept. And you're going to feel lost when you get to a point and I call for a roll and you don't have it. 
And then you're going to have that awkward discussion where he goes, but it, been, it was my concept to have. It's like, right, but you took five melee and you were supposed to be a baker, the best in the land. You know, your dad's skill moved on and you, mm-hmm. you, you didn't take anything and how to bake because you had to have that sword skill. So, you know, I, I guess you were full of shit. Or maybe you bake somewhere. <laughs> uh, you bake somewhere where they only drink soup. Nobody really cared about your bread. I don't know. Um, that's uh, that's me and my lack of culinary knowledge because I just thought about it. When I have soup, I love bread with it. So um, anyway, moving, moving on, on. Moving, no, no, moving on from here, um, from here, the next um, couple of chapters um, looks to me to be all systems. I don't know if you had any comments about these, but um, I mean, for me, this is pretty straightforward, standard fare for um, for a core book. It's, you know, nothing crazy, nothing out of the ordinary. I think um, I think they get no credit at all for the drama section, the books they put, and the drama section from every book that they've done in World of Darkness is what built me as an ST. Um, what do I mean by that? I used to struggle to figure out what two things would allow you to do something. Mm-hmm. And when they, when they started listening to examples and you read them, I, I got what they were saying. They weren't right. saying that we're going to put in here an example for everything you need to roll. They were saying, get the logic behind what we're saying to combine. Right. Come, come exactly. with us here. Come with us here. Come out. See how we do it. This is an idea of it, and you can do it differently, and it's okay. Because yeah. trust me, not every time am I going to say it's stamina athletics to swim. Yeah, I, I swim a lot. And let me tell you something. It's not just how long I can swim. It's also the stroke to get my speed and the dexterity of it to propel me through water. And you would argue and say, isn't that what athletics is? Yeah, but that to me is more of a dexterous action than just straight athletics. My ability to sustain it would be stamina. That's an argument, but I could also say if I'm going for distance, then stamina makes sense. And you can see where that trap would be. But right. it's not a hard and fast rule. It's get an idea of what to roll. One one thing I do want to give them credit for here, and maybe this is just because I haven't really read the health section in other books, but the health and injury and the charts that they give here, I think this is one of the better explanations of how damage is dealt and how it's applied to a character sheet. Um, and again, maybe it's just because... I've I've skipped over it so many times in the past because I was like I've read this a hundred times, but this one I read you know in word for word. I think it's very well uh, thought out and and the example is very good here. Um, so I want to give him credit for that. I think they did a great job there. I'm gonna do you all a favor. Page two twenty nine of the Starkages book. Read it, love it, enjoy it. Ooh, all of you, two- all of all of you want the crime and administration section because you want to know. I hear this all the time when players do downtimes or when you hear them in live action, how to get it done. Well, how do I bribe someone? And how do you corrupt someone? They're like, really? You want to know? Let's make it easy. Intelligence right. <laughs> plus politics is how to bribe someone. Manipulation plus commerce is how you would corrupt them. There you go. Hey, storyteller, describe how this happens. Done. We're right, moving on. Right. How to gather rumors. What? Only in Osferatu can gather rumors. My Bruja doesn't have a clue. Yeah, Dude, okay. but, but before well, you go further, on page 232... That is the that picture makes me want to just hide my head under a pillow and cry. I, I don't I don't know what it is about that picture, but like something about a grown man having milk poured over his. Well, you know, I don't. I, you say milk, I think it's mead. Right? Sure, sure, it's, it's coming be, out of cup. Way. He's got jewels on his hand. He's got the man titty. He's got his little fatty belly, and he's hanging out having a good time. And the look on his face is like, oh, it's so fun. This is good time. And she's stealing his coin purse with the fangs out. Like, enjoy it, fat boy. Yeah. I hate it, I hate it so much. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I don't know why you hate it. I mean, it literally I is showing how, how, how literally your favorite, it's, the Fjord sect, earns its money. It's, it's the look on his face. 
<laughs> Looks like he's enjoying it. What is wrong I with know, the look on his know, face? Just, just, should he should he not enjoy it? Is that it? It's just I don't know. <laughs> It's just enjoying it too much. What it looks like is he would stand up and say, oh, and after this, we should have strudel. And I like <laughs> apple strudel. You have that to go with all the milk in my belly. And Strusel? she'd be like, I, I stole your coin. I'm leaving. Right. You know, yeah, it's, it speaks know. words. It's good. looks like a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's terrifying. Madam Zhao's, <laughs> Madam Zhao's milk and rub factory, you know, <laughs> where you get more than you paid for. Right. I hate your whole soul. <laughs> <laughs> I hate your whole soul. <laughs> Milky white belly for a healthy man. <laughs> so gross. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like how it's hairless. That's my, my favorite. That's probably another thing that really bothers me. It's just like, there's he's no a, hair. He's a it's giant milky. baby. It's, it's so gross. Yeah, he's just a giant baby. <laughs> just getting his coin stolen with milk rubbed on his chest. I think it's showing you that if you got the coin, you can get whatever you want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're but right. You're what, right. About, what about her morals, huh? Should she have a standard? It? She could have like. See, I, see, I didn't get the impression she was stealing. I, I got the impression she was getting paid, and that was her payment that was in her hand. So, oh, that's a little I disturbing. Guess, are, right, you, right. are you implying I, she's like a prostitute? No, she's just getting paid to pour milk on him. I mean, what a shitty thing! I would never pay to just to have milk poured in my belly. Well, yeah, that's why you're not in the picture. <laughs> 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 Anyways, right, fine. fine. Um, uh, the other thing we we had mentioned in a previous book, um, I want to I want to mention this. I don't know if uh, if Bob wants to even hear this, but uh, we had mentioned in another book that there was this weird flower, and we were like, why do they always have to invent things to kill off vampires? Well, it turns out it's in the game now. Um, it's called blood rot, and it's a thing that if you make it, it's a flower, and if you use it, you can kill a vampire with it. Um, so it's in the book. It's on page 257. It's not um, you want to know. Page 236 disturbs me. Mm-hmm. See that picture? I do, yeah. Now, now look. Down below, there's the watch crier who was sent out to find the Lord's wife. Right? Lord's wife's missing. We don't know where she is. The clergy from's like, well, who cares? The Lord should learn to keep a better hold on his wife. I don't know what you want me to say. Guy on a horse is probably the Lord. What did he say? Right? Real weird. Then you, mm-hmm. have, the, then you have the night watchman who has the spear. Like, look, I didn't see crap. Meanwhile, up above... <laughs> The CrossFit personal trainer, huh? Stole he her. No fat. He has no st- fat in his body. Stole her and brought her up in a high up part, and she's posing. <laughs> well, I didn't Why get the is she posing? she posing? She's posing. Look at that back arch. It's like she's a ballerina, and she has her leg out with toe pointed perfectly. He, he's just I mean, not very good at supporting her weight. I think he knew he was being painted. She's going to hurt her back. Uh, maybe. Okay. Look, his, okay. Hands, his hands protecting her neck, and he's under the bottom of her butt <laughs> gently. Gently, right? He doesn't want to drop her. Right. And I was just like, what a weird photo. Mainly, I wanted to pause because you gave me weird fat milk belly guy, and I was fighting yeah, to get yeah, that out of my head. That's, I had that's to wash fair it. Enough. That's fair enough. Well, anyways, I think that the truth of the matter is, uh, um, the as far as the rules are concerned, for a werewolf, or for a werewolf, for a white wolf book, <gasps> I think, oh, it was a Freudian I, slip. I was just thinking in advance. No, no. I found the crap anime picture. Where? What, 242. Two forty-two. Uh, nah. Huh? I mean, I mean, yeah, kind of. Huh? There's a lot of there's a lot of motion lines and stuff. So yeah, I mean, I kind of. Dude, it's a mace hit that they put the typical comic book pow on the yeah, back of without the word little, pow. Sure, I, that that one's a little ridiculous. 
I just, I just said I found one. It had to come from somewhere. They're not always exaggerating. I'm just saying that there's one. That's, yeah, all right. All right. It's fair enough. Fair enough. You yeah, already we'll, pointed we'll out. It. You already we'll pointed out. There's going to be one bad grape in the crop. Yeah. Just saying. That's, that's, that's good. Well, all right. Um, all right. So moving right along, um, we our next chapter really goes into um, the storytelling of, of how to run a Dark Ages game, how to even get into that. I feel like, uh, and you may disagree, but I feel like it's a little sparse. It's, it's, it's good, but it's pretty straightforward and basic. And I feel like that was done on purpose for a reason I don't want to spoil, but you may learn next podcast. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're reading this whole book in this section by now, and this is your first vampire book you've ever had, and it's 2020. <laughs> right. <laughs> Look, you can listen to our podcast. You need to go back to square one and start at least getting caught up as you get those books to go over. But by now, if you're a storyteller, you know what that is. Right. And if that's the case, you know how to build a game. I mean, this is pretty much old hat. This is rinse, right. repeat. I would appreciate it if they start printing books that skip it. That said, if you want to know what storytelling storytelling is, <laughs> we'll give you. There's just do a standard PDF on website how to right. be a storyteller, and here's our methods, and just leave it there, and then just move on. And then the rest should right. be content. Make room for other stuff. Right. Um, one thing that I do appreciate that they do was um, beyond this, uh, the storytelling section, they get into sort of the others, the the werewolves, the, the fae, uh, ghosts, and things of that nature. And they don't give them overt stats. They tell you as a storyteller how to run them but they don't give you character sheets. They don't give stats for those. And I do kind of appreciate that. They tell you more about what is needed and what's necessary to run them properly and less about like, here's a bunch of powers and how to use them. Um, Because we all know, if you want to run Fae, get a Fae book. You want to run Werewolf, get a Werewolf book. Um, But if you want to add them to your game and add the mystique to your game and use them as enemies of your player characters, this is a better way to go about doing it. I gotta admit to you, I'm uh, I'm ruined by any demon section I read now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's fair enough. It's a well, it's a, it's not a bad thing. I just think that the the sections here for this game. Let me just stick to it. Um, I, I enjoy the demon section. I do in this section, and uh, I can't say section one more time or I'm cursed. And I just did it, so I, there you go. <laughs> um, but I do this like podcast is over. I do like what they say about common knowledge and informed opinion relating to demons, right? And it yeah. kind of gives you an idea of how to use them and, and work with them. However, it's the gnosis and rage assignment. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. That's the part where yeah. I was like, "Come on!" Like, mm, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all things considered, it's a small nitpick. I think it's not um, small. Th- it's not small. You're not werewolf enough, Nate. It belongs in one place. There's a difference between a bane, a dead guy, and a demon. Yeah. yeah okay. Fair enough. Uh, I'll get behind you on that. Thank you. Yeah, you you are right. Yes, yes. But if you don't have a frame of reference for what demons actually get, you know, what are you going to do? It's just like in the earlier versions of the books, anytime there was a werewolf, they just had blood and disciplines. Like, they don't. They have rage. They have gnosis. Why do they have have auspects? And and the answer is simple. It's because if you have this book and don't have any other, you can still do what you want to do. And I get it. I do. But I have them all. And I'm just saying, right? <laughs> right. I never get that. Right. We write this so anybody can use it just in case if this is all they have. Yeah. What about us? We have everything. And they'll look at you and go, <laughs> we'll just use that. Well, I want extra words then. 
<laughs> what about that? Give me more words. <laughs> yeah. They, they put out two versions of the book, one that's like 25 pages, and it just says, for Bob on it. <laughs> <laughs> I want it. I want it right now, and I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that pretty much wraps up the book. Um, yeah, Dark Ages Vampire. Uh, one, I really, really like the black and red. I'm just going to put that out there for me. I really appreciate that. That's just an aesthetic thing. Um, but what are your kind of final thoughts on this book, Bob? My final thoughts are that if you have to read anything out of this book and you have to enjoy anything, it's page 308. It's the Joe Rogan DMT frog photo. I'm calling. (laughs) I think it's epic. It is simply (laughs) epic. (laughs) <laughs> it reminds me of hypno toad you know it's just right. <laughs> that's funny i forgot about that picture um well me personally look truth of the matter is i think this is one of the better books um i really enjoy the storyline behind this book i think that the war of princes is intriguing i think it's interesting and entertaining uh and I I do like it better than the previous Dark Ages book for a lot of reasons, primarily of which it's more organized. It's more updated and the rules are more consistent with the rule set that I know. Yeah, but there is the weird Tremere demonic cat with the freaking pentagram on its belly. 18th and Satan's mark. Mark the flying (laughs) biblical hell cat. It's it's so good. Um, I, I adore, I, I like a lot of the artwork, save one picture that is still funny because it's an actual comic book pal that's behind the mace hit. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love this book. This is literally the philosopher's stone that puts vampire in order for me, where my heart is. This is where my heart is. And then the perception view, really I'm always by the standard, right? If I take any book and go, do you meet the standard of the content of the vampire? That's right here. And if it doesn't, mm, I'll still try it. Lots of people have different opinions and you like it. I'm your buddy. We'll, we'll go the distance. But ultimately, my brain's always here. Right. Uh, I think that, yeah, this is very much, in my opinion, the definitive in as far as Dark Ages is concerned. The rule set is the most up to date. Um, of course, people are going to be partial to, you know, Dark Ages 20. Um, uh, spoiler alert, there's a lot of stuff in that Dark Ages 20 book I don't care for. Um, well, so. it's, I, I actually like that book too. I mean, I'll go, I'm not being contrarian here. The thing is, is that when mm-hmm. people hear us review one book and we're like, this is awesome. You should have it. I really do fundamentally on an emotional level, like this book. It's just, it's yeah. just what I think horror vampire is here and it's really good. And from here, yeah, he could change it, change it with the times, but just because a new book comes out doesn't mean it's garbage. Right. And just because a new book comes out doesn't mean you have to use this book for it. I'm saying I'm inspired by it. A lot of my yeah. ideas come from it and it's okay to play with it. And I think that the, yeah, I, I, was, I was just going to say, I think that the way that they talk about the world in this book is what really draws me to it. Rule sets can change, yep. you know, disciplines can change, but how they talk about a world and how the, the words are formed and presented to you, I think is what makes a good book. And don't you dare change my, my milk rub guy. <laughs> don't don't mock Hellcat. They are here at Hypnotoad rules. Okay, those those have a a place in anyone's heart, and you should join us in that. It is awesome. The adorable cat with the devil's tail. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Garfield's cousin that got thrown out. Literally the black sheep of the family. Right. I don't think those wings are functional, though. I'm gonna have to say. 
I'm not going to agree with you. And I don't think he wants you to lasagna. All right. 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 <laughs> all right. So uh, thank you folks for listening. And hopefully you enjoyed this second half of our review of the Dark Ages Vampire Core book. Next week, we are going to be reviewing Dark Ages Storyteller's Companion. And uh, the Dark Ages Storyteller's Companion has basically all the stuff that wasn't included here. That's bloodlines, that's roads, that's storytelling stuff. There's a bunch of stuff here um, in that book coming up. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, that's something that interests you. Uh, And then as soon as we, uh, I don't know if you have a copy of it yet, but as soon as we can get it read, we'll sit down and do a review uh, for the fall of London. So that's coming up sometime soon, but we don't have like a specific... Yeah, we just don't have a specific date for it. Um, I had to uh, negotiate with the coronavirus first. Um, you know, it's it's stopping yeah. a lot of stuff from being normal, so it's a little yeah, funky about the people right. being we're, where they need to be. We're going to worry about, like, the food and the survival thing for the next couple of weeks before we worry about Oh, we're muffins you. diehard. We're here for you <laughs> right, guys. We're right, entertainment. Right. We're your voice of sanity yeah. in what's going on. I'm just saying I don't have it. I know what you might think. I'm, I'm perfectly <laughs> fine, but I'm saying... Right. I haven't seen a male person at all since <laughs> right, this started. Right. So um, it was in the mail. I can only assume there's a mailbox office gaining knowledge by osmosis, and, right, and, we'll, right. and we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So sometime down the road, you know, when everything kind of levels out again, we'll we'll get on the ball with that uh, fall of London. Uh, but uh, until then, we're going to continue. We're going to forge forward with our Dark Ages reviews. So thank you all for listening. Until next week, I am Nathan. And I am Kai. won't say that. I am Bob. I, I don't know what you were going to say. I but. almost said I'm Corona Bob, and I was like, that's not funny. I'm just Bob. <laughs> yeah, I'm just Bob. We don't want him to be Corona Bob at all. That's bad. None of us need to be Corona anything. Um, but thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy it. We hope everybody's safe, nobody's sick, and we love you. Goodbye. We sincerely do. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you like our podcast and you'd like to help support our show, consider backing us at patreon.com forward slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. We offer reward tiers of additional Patreon-only podcasts, t-shirts, and personalized gaming experiences. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and go to our website, utilitymuffinlabs.com, for links to all of our social media, additional podcasts, and more. If you'd like to chat with us, submit a title for review, promote your gaming-related stuff or anything else you can think of, email me at nathan at utilitymuffinlabs.com. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate. 